continue on this uh, topic that we have been working on about the Holy Spirit uh, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you might wonder why we haven't talked yet about uh, speaking in tongues or the gifts of the Spirit, healing, miracles, uh, words of knowledge. And we will come to that. We will have several sessions on the, the speaking in tongues and on uh, the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to lay this foundation that I'm laying now uh, also because I think very often when we teach about the Holy Spirit, we very quickly jump to the issue of speaking in tongues, uh, which I believe it's an important topic. But you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't only about speaking in tongues. There, there is a lot more that is happening that I think is very important. And I believe getting this foundation, this foundational understanding of what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives will make us benefit even more from the the topic when it comes to the, the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, prophecy, and so on. So we will continue a little bit. Uh, I, I don't want to try and summarize everything we have been talking about until now. If you want to, you can go back and check on my website. You can see the previous videos. But we talked generally last time about how the Holy Spirit, uh, the time we are living in, is a time of outpouring according to the Bible. Uh, the time period that we are living in now is a time where God wants to pour out His Spirit. I believe it is for everyone. And we looked, uh, the last session we had, we talked about how the first disciples, how it changed their lives when they experienced this outpouring. They had been walking with Jesus for three and a half years, and I'm sure they had learned a lot of important, a lot of good things. Yet, it was when they had their encounter with the Holy Spirit that everything that they had been learning suddenly became alive in them. So we will continue. And when it comes to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and when we read about the prophecies in the Old Testament about this uh, new thing that God would be doing, this uh, new covenant, which I believe is very closely linked to uh, the baptism and the Holy Spirit and uh, God sending His spirits into, into our hearts. We see that in these prophecies about this new covenant, it's very clear that God wanted to do more than just forgive our sins, even though that would be awesome. And I want to start today by reading from Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, which is one of the many prophecies about the new covenant. If you look in your notes, you will see that there are several other references. Uh, but right now, for the sake of time, I want to read Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. 
There it says, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulation. I think very often when we, when we read the Bible, we have a tendency when it goes in one ear and out the other ear, and we miss how radical this is. This is God, the Almighty, that is telling us that he wants to put his spirit, the spirit of the Almighty God, and he wants to put it inside of us. I mean, that's, that should totally blow our minds. Like, how is that possible? The Holy, the Almighty, God taking His Spirit and putting it into us fragile humans with our flaws and sin and everything in our lives. God wants to put something of Himself in. He wants to move in. And one of the things that is very clear when we read the prophecies in the Old Testament about the new covenant and about the Holy Spirit that he would pour out upon all flesh, it is that God wanted to become intimate with man again. When, when God was walking with Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, they had an intimate relationship. It was not a superficial relationship. It, it was not a relationship where, where he was distant from them. And when they approached him, they kind of had to come begging and, you know, hoping that he will not smite them with his anger. No, it was a personal and it was an intimate relationship. And when we read here in, for instance, Ezekiel, we see the same thing that God, he wants to become intimate with us, so intimate that he actually wanted to himself move into us by his spirit. He wanted to become one with us. He talks about a new heart, which I think talks about a change of behavior, a change of character, a change of uh, attitude. Um, I like how the New Living Translation puts it when it says that uh, I will give you a tender and responsive heart. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when He comes into our lives. He gives us a tender and responsive heart where suddenly the things that used to be okay for us, suddenly we don't want to do them anymore because we know that they will hurt God. Even though maybe Nobody has really told us that they will do that. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it changes us. And our heart, our uh, conscience becomes tender and responsive to what God wants and what God doesn't want. But before God could move inside of us, there need, needed to happen a change. We talked about uh, in the earlier session about sin and how sin is separating us from God. Before God could move into us, sin needed to be broken. The, the power of the, 
the sin virus in our lives, the thing that made us do wrong things, needed to be broken in our lives. So before God could move in, before the Holy Spirit could move into us, we needed to be made holy because the Holy Spirit is a holy spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in a clean and a holy temple. And before he could dwell in us, there needed to happen a change inside of us. And this is what Ezekiel is talking about, where he says that he would give us a new heart, he would put a new spirit inside of us, and this new spirit, this new birth that is happening inside of us becomes a place where God's Holy Spirit can dwell. Very often people argue theologically about uh, when they hear people say that we are holy, we are righteous. And other Christians might talk about that, no, 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 we are not holy, we are sinful, and they emphasize the, the sinful part of man. And in some kind of way, it is true. In some sense, we are still sinner in the sense that we still have our flesh, our, our uh, how to say, we have our sinful tendency, and they will be with us as long as we are in this body. But at the same time, when we get saved, there is a new birth that happens. And this new life, this new spirit that God puts inside of us when we get born again, that spirit is 100% holy. It is 100% righteous. It, it doesn't do anything wrong. It doesn't want to do anything that is contrary to the will of God. So if I look at myself, as my flesh, as my sinful nature. Yes, then I'm still a sinner. But I believe that the Bible wants us to not look at ourselves according to, a, to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This new life that God has put inside of us. And when I look at this, look at my spirit, this inner man, this new creation, then I can say with boldness that I am holy, I am righteous. Uh, there is no sin in me when I, when I talk about my spirit. And I believe that's what God wants us to, to look at ourselves on. Not like who we used to be, but he wants us to identify ourselves with the new creation that he has put inside of us. So before the Holy Spirit co could come, sin would have to be dealt with. Not only in the sense that sin was covered like it was in the Old Testament. We talked a little bit about that earlier. But sin would have to be dealt with in the sense that sin would have to be removed, totally, be gone. So when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't only forgive the sins, the, uh, the sins that you have committed. And, and this is an amazing truth. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins that you are going to commit. And this really, I mean, as humans, we are limited by time and space, so it's hard for us to, to understand how Jesus could die for the sins that we have not yet committed. Yet, we understand that when Jesus died on the cross, I was not even born. 
God, He is outside of time. He is not limited by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, he is not limited by this time that we are limited in. So when Jesus died on the cross, Hebrew is one of the letters and the epistles in the New Testament that really speaks into this point about when Jesus died, He died for sin once and for all. Hebrew 10.10 says that for it, uh, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. That means that the sins that you are going to commit, there are, it has already been made provision for your forgiveness. Um, Hebrews 7.27 says that uh, who does not need daily as those uh, high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's sins? For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. So when Jesus died on the cross, he, he broke the power of sin. Now, some people have taken this and say, this means that I just can continue to sin because Jesus has already forgiven all sin, so it doesn't matter if I sin anymore because Jesus has already died for all, for all sin. Yeah, that's right. Jesus has already died for all sin. But it's very important to make a distinction here. Jesus haven't automatically forgiven all sin. No, for us to be forgiven, we need to come and we need to uh, repent of our sins and then we will be forgiven. What happens when Jesus died on the cross was that he made atonement for all sin. What does that mean, that he made atonement? That means that he has already paid for your forgiveness. That doesn't mean that I can continue to just live in sin and that I will be automatically forgiven, but it means that when I come to God and repent of my sins, I can be 100% sure that the provision for my forgiveness has already been made. I can already now know that if I'm going to fail in the future, I can already now have confidence in that when I sin, there is forgiveness. If I fail, I can already now live with the confidence that I can come to God knowing that He will not turn His back on me and say, ah, sorry, you did one sin too much. Now it's over and out. No more uh, forgiveness for you. No, because Jesus has already died for all sins. So the atonement has been made, the price has been paid, so if I do something wrong now, I can just come to God and the case will be solved. But of course, if I don't want to repent, if I don't want to come to God, if I don't want to ask Him to forgive my sins, then I will not, how to say, enjoy the benefits of that. So just to, how to say, end this session, when God prophesied about the new covenant, he prophesied about getting intimate with us. He wanted to become one with us. He wanted to move on the inside. But for that to happen, sin needed to be dealt with. And when Jesus died on the cross, he dealt with sin 
once for all time so that now a holy God can come and live inside of me. And even if I do fail, even if I sin, a holy God can still live in me because the power of sin has been broken. Forgiveness has already been, uh, how to say, been paid for. So if I sin, I just come to God and he will cleanse me again and I will be pure and holy as if I had never sinned in my whole life. I think that is awesome news. That is, that gives us confidence when we approach God, knowing that we can come before Him with boldness, not because of who we are in ourselves, but because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Let's take a short break and then we will continue again uh, right after. Mm-hmm. 